This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 104. Nicole Wackernagel on Keys to Hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with a conversation with someone I've actually been meaning to have on this program now for quite some time. You know those moments where it turns out there's someone you know of and you all have the exact same circle of friends and you just don't haven't uh, connected with that person? Well, that's basically the story behind the podcast session this week. Nicole Walker-Nagel, right out of Switzerland, uh, is someone that I've known through folks like uh, Cheryl and Larry Elman, through uh, Sean Michael Andrews, through the whole Omni Hypnosis School. And she's someone that we've connected at times at various hypnosis conventions. And to see some of the work that she's doing, whether it's working with clients, working with kids, working in medical environments and a lot of the training now as well. You're going to hear a really, really cool conversation here as we're going to cover everything in terms of what's the motivation to start training, uh, what types of issues and what types of strategies, uh, what techniques, when, where, and why we would use working with kids, and just a really thorough conversation that I know you're going to enjoy. So with that in mind, let's, um, let's cross the international time zones here. Uh, as our scheduling was a little fun on this one, but let's jump right in. This is session number 104, Nicole Walkernagel on Keys to Hypnosis. Um, the first place was that um, I was always interested as a child in hypnosis. I had a grandmother who did that somehow. And, uh, but my mother said it's something really dangerous and I should get away. I, sh I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, uh, use that. So I got like 30 years old and then I, I was afraid of a, of a dental surgery I, I should have. I was really afraid of that. And I was asking, how can I, how can I do that in, in a way that I was not like really nervous or afraid or anything like that? So I came on, on hypnosis and it was like a key situation for me because it, I was so fascinated. That was so, so awesome to experience that. And I was just figuring out that all I had in mind was not the right picture I had from hypnosis. It was totally different. And that was like a key situation for me. I love, so, that. Uh, I love that. Let me ask you was, this, though, it, from, that, from that experience yeah. where mm -hmm. you were the client and then having that experience, is there any takeaway from that that would become a part of how you work with your clients nowadays? Absolutely. My background comes from the hospital. That's also a thing. And I was so fascinated. I asked the dentist, give me some books about that. I want to know more. And I felt like it's a key really, not only for my life, but also from, for the life from, for, for other people. And I was really, I'm really, I was really getting excited what I experienced there. So I was really searching how can I learn hypnosis? And the first encounter was that somebody told me, I'm not allowed to learn uh, hypnosis. It's only for doctors and dentists. That was my first thing. And I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that. So I was, I was really searching for 
for school how to learn good hypnosis, good hypnotherapy. And that's that was the first step, actually. Yeah, so beginning in kind of a self-taught, reading whatever you could find in books, and then going for something more Exactly. Formal. Yeah. So exactly. then what, what were those connections that you made in order to, to bridge that gap? Pardon me? What were those connections that you made in order to learn it? So which school, you mean? Or? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I Actually, I went to different schools. I was on different weekends, and just take a look on different schools. And I found then the, the Omni, Omni uh, Hypnosis Center in Zurich. Yes. And I was really excited. I, I met Patrick Meyenberger there, not in Zurich, but uh, in a city nearby. And I was asking him, I was asking, is that something that I can work with? Is that something that is really good? And he was really also so excited. Also a dentist, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> And I, what I saw there in the dental office, I was so passionate. I, I thought, I have to learn that. It's a key. Again, it was for me, it was really, I felt it's just the key for my life. It's my passion. So I went to Zurich. I learned the hypnotherapy with uh, Hans Wodewipf. And uh, yeah, that was my first step. And then over the years, I was always like, I went on conventions. I went to different different courses to learn more about because I felt I, I don't have enough. I want I want to learn as much as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. So that nowadays as you're as you're doing the work, is there a specific category that you're drawn to more than anything else? Is there a certain thing that you like working with more than anything else? Yeah. It's the medical it's medical hypnosis. It's it's a really it's a it's a passion because of my medical background. And kids, family, kids, that's the thing. Because I'm a mother of uh, three girls, I have a family by my own. And so family, kids, and medical hypnosis, because of my medical background, that's my passion. So working with kids, let's, let's chat about that for a little bit. Uh, what, what's kind of the experience as, uh, as the phone call comes in, as the interaction is there, and now they're in your space? How does that typically play out with you? Typically, um, uh, the mother is coming in, and first I talk to the mother. The kid is waiting downstairs and playing a little bit with uh, what we have in the dental office. And then I talk to the mother, and I want just to know what's the issue, what's the what's the point, what what's the goal of the session, her side, and then we change. Then I take the kids, the kid upstairs, and then I. I talk with a with a child about what's the goal, what she or he wants to change, and uh, then I work with her or him. Outstanding, outstanding. So then, what types of issues are you typically seeing kids for? Oh, mostly fear of school. Mm -hmm. That's fear in school, mobbing. It's often different fears. Actually, that's mostly the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's, is there a specific route, uh, whether it's techniques or approach, that often that would go for you? No, actually not. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes I just I just play with them. Sometimes I do some regression work, but not always. I mean, with young kids, is sometimes just I I do a story like 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 something that comes out from the speech I have with a kid, or something's. Sometimes I do just regression, an ordinary regression. Mm -hmm. It depends a little bit of the of the age of the kid. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well, let's chat about that for a bit because it's it's a category. I'm sure you know you're aware of how 
there, there were some people who would have strongly held opinions either for regression or against regression. Uh, I'm someone yep. like mm -hmm. you that I'm going to use it when it's I feel it's the appropriate tool. Uh, though, exactly. how, how different is that regression for you with a kid rather than with an adult? It depends on the age. I would say yeah. with a teenager, it's easier to do a formal regression. Mm -hmm. But even there, it's not, not always really necessary. And with a, with a little kid, I mean, if it's something that a kid is like only six or seven, eight years old, it's not necessary. So I do just a, a story. It depends from the situation, actually. Yeah. Yeah. How, no. how do you think about that? I mean, it's, do you work also with kids? I do. I do. And many people are often surprised to hear that I also will often make use of regression with kids, though I'd share mm -hmm. that if it's with the adult and let's say and my whole thing in terms of regression is to remember that regression is a category, uh, that it's exactly. not just this find the cause, informed child, that whole um, style mm -hmm. of work. Though it's where if I'm, and honestly, I think the greatest strength of the process comes down to that moment where you're in that informed child work with the client. And my paraphrase is that suddenly you now have a client who is doing direct suggestion hypnosis on themselves. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, that for me, that is the point of that process. Yes, the the catch and release and the rebuilding of the old perception is important. Yet the mm -hmm. fact is, I, I, I say this to my classes, uh, it doesn't matter how clever you think I am. It doesn't matter how clever I think you are. Whatever your client is giving themselves in that moment is going to be better than anything any of us could come up with. Exactly. So, yeah. but it's where with a kid, it's where I'm probably less focused on getting down to the ISE and more focused on spending more time. And it all, it often just takes this route of more of a self-coaching process at that point. Yeah. But yeah. Na navigating and to that place where now they can do that for themselves. And the kid has always the solution with him inside mm -hmm. that's always the solution and i mean every kid has has the same um how you say it in english like like uh, just to be loved just to be there's always this almost the same so working with the inner child is it's or working in general i feel with children it's so easy absolutely absolutely it, it's <laughs> I, i'd say this to their parents sometimes they have a lot less stuff we have to deal with <laughs> there's, what's the phrase? there's a lot less baggage to have to go through it turns out <laughs> how yeah, yeah. how what, what's the environment over there because it kind of is a split over here where a lot of people would work with the kid parents in the room i work classically with the parents out of the room what's that format for you i work always um uh different that means mm -hmm. that i have the child in the room and the parents go out for a coffee or anything like yes. that because i did that i did that several times when the kid was crying and sad insisting that the mother has to be there and it didn't work really out it was really it was a fight between mm -hmm. uh the child tried to fight the mother against me and me against the mother so i couldn't uh, we couldn't concentrate and really work together that was not possible yeah i i've actually only had the experience recently where it's uh with a 12 year old that the dad mm -hmm. insisted well if we're doing this i need to be in the room and i i used mm -hmm. what's, what's classically roy hunter's line around well well you're my employer 
And my phrasing would sometimes be, we can do that, though it's often a reason why the process can still be effective. It just takes a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And additional mm-hmm. sessions are available at this rate. And maybe it's the num- mm-hmm. and maybe it's the number that's making them go, well, okay, maybe yeah, I'll, I'll wait in the lobby. Though it's a moment <laughs> where the 12-year-old looks at me and he says, I just feel like all the time nobody likes me. And the dad in that moment goes, oh, that's not true. We all like you. And suddenly he's realizing, mm-hmm. oh, wait, I'm not validating something that he's actually expecting as a real issue. And dad mm-hmm. dad had the whole conversation himself to go, you know, at first, oh, we all, I'll be in the lobby. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. then, then again, mm-hmm. I think my, my first time doing parts therapy with a teenager and the kid labels uh, the 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 conflicting part as mom. Mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. first my first thought is, I'm so happy she's in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had recently I had recently a really interesting session with a teenager, 17 years old, and 17 years old. And the thing was, the mother had a problem with the teenager, and the teenager had a problem with the mother. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what was the issue we've got to work on. That was really difficult. So I brought them together uh, in the room, and I just tried to understand both. And <laughs> the thing was, the end was that the teenager looked at me and said, um, you get on my nerves. Mm. I said, oh, well. You don't impress me much. <laughs> she was. She was. You should see this. That 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 view from her. She was looking at me and said, "Whatever you do, whatever you say, I will not change anything in my in my life." Mm. So I thought that's the phrase I want to have, because I I thought that I thought she's not ready to change something, and then you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, are there certain issues that maybe you would not see kids for that perhaps the parents would call about? Or something maybe not necessarily that you wouldn't see, but maybe you're a little cautious about at times? No, no. Until now, uh, until now, it's mm-hmm. it's there's not an issue. But the only thing what is really important, I think that the kid or the teenager is really ready to change. Yes. Because I had that several times that the mother insisted to want to have a session and the teenager or the child didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really important as What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I share, there's a filter that, and it may be me bringing sometimes some of my own, my own, um, my own stuff into the process, though Mm -hmm. I'm a little cautious at times if they're calling for a kid and we're talking below 14 years old and Mm -hmm. uh, it's for weight loss. Okay, why? Which the reason is, well, there's a funny answer to it. I will follow up with a question. And classically, either they respond positively or they hang up on me based on this follow-up question. Because my follow-up is, well, how's your health? Yeah. Because it's where if it's a family dynamic and everyone's overweight, I'd rather start start from the top down. I'd rather start with the parents first. Because Mm -hmm. the younger ages, yes, at 13, he can buy food at school and he can get it from friends. Mm -hmm. Yet at Mm -hmm. the same time... I've just typically found a better result to start with the the family dynamic first and then bring the others in. 
actually, I never had kids with weight loss. Never. Yeah. Until now, mostly fear or anything like that, school problems, mobbing, this kind of stuff, but never weight loss. So it's really interesting to hear. <laughs> well, I think we have the statistics. <laughs> My country is fatter than yours. So there you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We shouldn't be bragging. Uh, but it's where, I, it's, I mean, look at the numbers. It's just more widespread of an issue. I know. No, but it's where, again, if it's something that, if parent has the issue as well as the kid, it's how most of most of the kids who I'd end up seeing, very often they're the children of the adult clients that I've now already worked with. Mm -hmm. What what's the, the, what's the youngest the that you typically going. work with? Oh, the youngest, six, seven years old, mm -hmm. most like that. And mostly I'm working because I'm working also with sleep talk. I'm yes. I'm working with a whole family because I think it's really important. I don't I don't see only the kid because the kid mostly it's only the symptom of the whole family thing. So I, I just see the whole family as a how do you call it in English? Like a whole family tree. Right. And everything hangs together with one another. So uh, sometimes I have the whole family. I'm working with the whole family, father, mother, sister, brothers. So I have that very often. Yeah. There's a, there's a story I've shared, I think, here before, which was that mother called up for the daughter. And daughter was a bit of a picky eater that she would only eat certain things. And it was the daughter herself who actually wanted to change that. And it's this whole fun experience that by the time we were done, I had – well, mom saw what we did with daughter and mom's going – Hey, could you do the reverse for me? I think I like too many things and I need to lose weight and I'd like to get a little bit more picky. <laughs> um, and then from there, brother, then from there, the dad. And again, it's that it's that dynamic that uh, mm -hmm. it's that interesting side of things that again, that as we're working with that family shift, suddenly the entire unit at home is going better. That's what I experienced too. When you're working sometimes, just with one person from a family, the whole the whole family is change is changing. That's what I saw also. Yeah. What yeah. is your experience in that? It, I, I don't know why, but it's it's just it's just awesome. Right, and again, it's where I mean, my favorite way of describing it, it's a it's kind of a funny term, is what I'd call residual change, where there's like this mm -hmm. domino effect, where now that I've done this, I mean the. The, the focus of how I'd even work with a client for something like stopping smoking mm -hmm. is more so focused on the idea that as we minimize the smoking habit, the whole process is less about the behavior they're stopping and more mm -hmm. about, of course, what they're able to do now as a result of making this change. Exactly. So rather than yeah. shining that spotlight just on that one little problem they're here to change, instead, it's that this is just the first step of a much bigger journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which as that starts to trickle over to the family as well, as that starts to spread to the others as well, it's again, yeah. building up that better dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what other, what other things do you find yourself working with uh, the most frequently? Uh, mostly fear actually mm -hmm. with, I working, I'm, I'm working also a lot with adults, like fears, like mostly these are stuff. It's like fear of heights, um, fear of flights, uh, spiders, the mm -hmm. whole thing. And then the, there are the other things that are more complicated, like like I have, I'm working together with uh, doctors, dentists. Uh, sometimes I, I'm going to the hospitals or to doctors because they're afraid of, of anything, like, like uh, giving shots or 
I had once a surgery, just giving some support in the medical area. Yeah. Yeah. So then how are most people finding you? What's kind of the business structure of how people are tracking you down? Uh, I think, first of all, it's the website. That's I think that's a really important thing. But also, um, people are talking. Yes. <laughs> Mostly my clients come from other clients I had already that I have been working with. So um, they're talking and they had a good experience or I, I helped them in one or two situations and then they come back. And sometimes I have also clients, they was they were with me like three th- three years ago and um, they came back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing in their life, uh, that can happen also. Yeah. So. so then rewinding the story, you were the client at a young age. You then got interested in the hypnosis on your own. You connected uh, with Omni Hypnosis. At which point mm-hmm. in this journey did you find yourself now jumping into teaching? Hmm, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, it was always my dream. It was always my dream to, first of all, uh, gaining confidence in hypnotherapy, to really to be good as a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was so lucky. I had I had really good mentors. And I'm I know that's a privilege. No, uh, not anybody has that. So I met Sean four years ago in Zurich. And since then, I mean, I went to this, to these meetings, meetups in Heidelberg and I, I learned so much. I learned really so much. And at the same time, I began to work in Veal in the hypnosis center. And I think it was all together. And then I had really to wish to, to, because I'm so passionate, I'm so ex- excited about hypnosis and hypnotherapy. I thought, well, I just, I mean, I just want to give further what I received. That's, that was actually the, the motivation and the thing I had on my mind. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, go ahead. And then I was, yeah, I was, I was searching, and um, then one time I was talking to Cheryl Elman, and uh, she she had something on her website like like um, uh, train the trainers, and we were talking about. I said, uh, I mean, I'm not a teacher yet. I am not an instructor. I don't have a school. Uh, is there anything I can do so you, you would accept me? <laughs> 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 and so she she was invited me. She, she was invited me for Denmark, and yeah, I went to Denmark, and yeah, then Joan Golding were asked was asking me to be a trainer for Sleep Talk, and yeah, so step by step it went further. Yeah, yeah. And so then- now I'm uh, now I'm IACT trainer and IMBHA trainer. So that was always my dream. Outstanding. So then how is it you spend uh, most of your time? What's what's kind of the balance of uh, what do you do most of? What do you see the most frequent of? You mean in hypnotherapy or private? In, in either. Whew. It's Actually, it's not easy to have a balance between mm-hmm. the private life and the hypnotherapy. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so excited and passionate. Um, hmm. Most of the time, I think I spend with my family, yes, with my kids and my husband, and in our garden with our chickens and with a cat. And <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. And going out to nature and jogging and swimming and the whole thing—that's my private life. And I just try to keep it up, although yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, well, it's that balance that I mean, my personal journey on that on that side of things was the uh, discovery as as I had kids a few years ago. Um, 
the, the phrase is that there's no such thing as finding the time. There's only making the time. So mm-hmm. it's that ability to get laser specific and go, okay, this is the time I'm going to work. This is the time I'm going to see people. And there's mm-hmm. not much of a variation outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that it really became setting those specific boundaries, setting those specific barriers of this is the time that I do this. This is the time I do that. And uh, not really breaking away from that. So it, it came down to, you know, these are the specific hours for clients. And it's not it's not easy right. for me. It's not easy. I'm still learning to set borders mm-hmm. to say, hey, that's the, the family time and that's working time. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's always this process that's in motion. It's this process that we're always still figuring it out. I mean, it's how mm-hmm. th- this is a week that I'm about to head out of town for uh, for a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. it, it became the mechanism of realizing, oh, wait, I need to figure out how to run everything even while I'm away. Um, mm-hmm. And as much mm-hmm. as I do everything automated and, you know, focused the way that I do it, it became, oh, this this needs to be changed. Um, but it's that mindset that, again, mm-hmm. we don't yet know. There's a class that I just wrapped up teaching yesterday. And the, the mm-hmm. it, it got to a fun place because every time a student asked a question on the last day, the the questions were all, well, could you do it this way? And every single time the answer was, mm-hmm. yes, of course you could just test it, see how it works. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're from the new student perspective. They're wanting this answer of no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, yet yeah, every yeah. time it's the well, yes, that would work too. That would work too. We we I'm looking. I mean, at, it's individual. Uh, yeah, I think it's always it's always different, and every person is different, and every everybody has has to find her their own way. I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you think about? I, I think it's that it's that mindset that as the trainer, as the instructor, mm-hmm. I've really mm-hmm. come down to the phrasing that it's not my responsibility to teach the students how to be an exact clone and do it the way that I do it. No, it's instead no, no. my responsibility at times to give them the insane level of detail and thinking and experience mm-hmm. that I've put into all of this so that they can make those choices, they can make those judgments for themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Rather mm-hmm. than, no, you and have actually, to do it this way. No, and actually they have to develop their own ways and their own thing. I think it's important. Yeah. Well, it's that phrase of finding their own voice, finding their own style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm, there's a moment mm-hmm. years ago where I'm on an airplane with somebody and he's asking for a referral for a hypnotist in a certain area. And I was able to give him like five or six names. And mm-hmm. he's asking, which one's the best? And my answer was, well, I think they're all really good. Call them all. Find the one that you think <laughs> you're the best fit for and work with that one. You know, mm-hmm. Rather than, it's again, this mindset of, I'm sure we'd be of a similar mindset here that you have a lot of the same lineage. And uh, we were chatting before we jumped into the recording here around, um, yeah, we all know the same people. So we need to chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this experience, Absolutely. this experience though, that, there's none of these absolutes that would often be presented. Um, mm-hmm. The same way that you said, I don't always do regression. You know, it's where mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. right technique at the right time, but then sometimes there's other mechanisms to use. Although on that note, mm-hmm. uh, a question that's been popping up frequently here in the in the made-up scenario that would never possibly exist because you're now on a deserted island and you have a client in front of you and you're only allowed to use one technique. If we had to remove all of your hypnotic techniques and told you you only could use one, <laughs> what would mm-hmm. be that? What would be that go-to strategy for you? 
Which strategy? That that's the question. Which one? Uh, if we if we said you only could use one hypnotic technique. That's an interesting question. Um, I would. It sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I would use. I would change sleep talk a little bit and use it really? for adults. Yeah. 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 How so? It sounds. It, it, it sounds crazy. I know. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Just from the things I know, because the basics of sleep talk is the basics what every human being needs. Mm-hmm. And for those that aren't, and Joan, Joan has actually been on this program. But for those that haven't listened to that or aren't familiar, give us just an overview of the sleep talk process. The sleep talk process. It's actually. How can you explain that? It's you give you give to a child the basics. You give. You give the, 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 the unconditional love. You give everything what a child or a person is needing at the, the, the really the bottom line of life. That's the goal and that's the thing. And if you think about, I mean, every human being needs to be loved un- unconditionally. And that's that's the solution for many, 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 many things, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we I work a lot with that in hypnotherapy. And if you have that, many, many problems just, uh, they just disappear, I think. Well, in many ways, it's would about... Would you agree with I, that? I, yeah, I would agree. It's, it's a process in which the, the basic core of it is that you're training the parents how to um, really deliver hypnotic suggestion as it is to the, mm-hmm. to the child. Yet at its core, again, mm-hmm. it's about changing that inner dialogue. And mm-hmm. it's where so much of the work, as much as... Uh, um, the, the anecdote to this is that Kevin Cole and I are doing a workshop at HypnoThoughts this year, uh, which was, I think, I forget the title exactly, but the theme is Do Less Hypnosis, How to Get the Change mm-hmm. Conversationally. That <laughs> here, here are moments where you're hearing the dialogue someone is bringing into the process, and they're sitting there going, every time this happens, I'm terrified. Uh, I never can do this, and they're they're hypnotizing themselves into the corner. Of, mm-hmm. I can't create this change. And as soon as you, as soon as you get that language in motion, it's not the only thing to do, but it's such a massive component. That's actually when I'm mm-hmm. working with kids. Back to that conversation, the the parents will often ask me, "What can we do to help them out?" And my mm-hmm. advice, I, I, I say it with a smile on my face, and they get that I'm joking, uh, which is the, well, you know, maybe for now, why don't you stay out? Because you might have caused this. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, I say it in my style, and they know that I'm not saying it in a mean way, but I'm still saying yeah. it, and they're, they're getting the intention. Although I tell them, you know, for now, what I'd really recommend is if you talk to them about the issue that is coming in, put it in the past tense, you know, put it as a thing that was before, as opposed to, hey, are you still afraid of this? Hey, are you still a picky eater? You know, instead getting them to that more positive thing where that thing is now in their past. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that tends to be my strategy on that. But again, where it's the equivalent of the one who, uh, well, I mean, a, a client comes to me to quit smoking and they'll occasionally ask, "Should I book a six-month follow-up?" And as much as I'm, as much as I'm known as the business guy in hypnosis, I'm the one looking at them and going, "Why? Um, <laughs> you, you've stopped smoking. I'm going to run out of stuff to say to you unless there's something else you want to work on. You know, you've done mm-hmm. this. Congrats. Keep it up." <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I love the aspect though of, and this is that benefit of the ongoing training where you're taking components because uh, you also do uh, Simpson protocol, right? Yeah, but not much. Yeah, not much. And, and I'd be of the same way, but I bet there's things from Inez that you've pulled out of that that have worked their way into other things that you do too. W would you say there's components of that Simpson protocol training ah. that you might, you might not be doing the entire process, yet you're using different, let's call it ingredients of it? You're using the individual sometimes, but yeah. not very much. Right, right. Yeah, well, not I mean, it's very where... much. Sometimes I need I I use some components of Ines sometimes mm -hmm. with kids, sometimes with adults, but not very much. Sometimes I I use parts therapy. Sometimes I mean different techniques, NLP, just everything what I what I I've been taught. Right. Well, again, it goes back to that moment in the class recently where they're asking. Well, could you do this? And the answer is, of, of course you could. Test it. See how it goes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So with... I, oh, go ahead. I think you have always to be very flexible. I yes. just had today, I had I had a session <laughs> and I had really, really to be flexible because there was no way to do it in the ordinary style mm -hmm. because my client was totally different, totally different approach. So I had just to be flexible and come from another side. And I experienced that many times that sometimes you cannot do it the way you usually do it. You have mm -hmm. just to change or use some other techniques, other components of uh, what you learned. Yeah, absolutely. So then is there something sort of on the horizon for you, some project or w really what's in the works for you at this point? What are you excited about right now in hypnosis? Uh, building up my own school. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm really working hard on that <laughs> to get the translation because um yeah, I have to translate everything and that's that's somehow exciting, but it's a lot of work. Right. And to translate that and to build up my own school, that's my goal at the moment. Yeah. Outstanding, outstanding. And and this is a year that you're speaking at several conventions too, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, tell us about some of those uh, presentations you've got coming up. Okay, from uh, HT Live in Las Vegas, I will teach probably about the gold sleep talk process. Yes. And you know that. And uh, at the IMDHA conference, I will teach some important points uh, for some keys. Hypnotherapy, I found out, like self-hypnosis, how you do that, um, why it is important um, why it is important for the client to 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 do that by themselves, and what are the keys in that whole process? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and where can people find you online? Which I'll give um, everyone the quick tip before you mention the website. If you are a user of the Google Chrome browser, it will automatically translate into your local language. So I'll, I'll give everybody oh, that's that. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> As I did that, it's like, oh, I'm looking at your website. Oh, wait, I need to translate this. <laughs> so in Google Chrome, uh, which is free, uh, what? where can people find you online? Uh, the best it will be, I think... Uh, just search on Nicole Wackenagel hypnosis. I think that would be the best. Outstanding. Because uh, I have uh, in 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 a short time I have several websites, several web pages, and I think instead of mentioning them all, just look me up on a website like Nicole Wackenagel and hypnosis, and you will find me. Because there's only me, I think, <laughs> with that name. <laughs> <my> <laughs> 
Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program. And I direct you over to check out hypnoticworkers.com. I told the story of the recent hypnosis training course where the students were playing the game of, well, what about this? Well, could you use that technique? Well, what about this method? And I'm really of the opinion that all this stuff works. You just have to use it. Though very often for the student of hypnosis, whether we are brand new to this, whether we're even the seasoned professional, the challenge sometimes is how do you put it all together? And that's what Hypnotic Workers helps you to solve the problem of. One of the cool features inside of Hypnotic Workers is not only are there dozens of inductions and change strategies, but we actually spend some in-depth time inside of that digital training product where you actually see the workshopping of how do you customize and work in a client-centered format to help your clients produce change. In addition to that, there are real client sessions that have been captured and are shared inside of that Hypnotic Workers library. Join today for as little as 47 to get the uh, learn at your own pace style of hypnosis training. Check that out over at hypnoticworkers.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 